So we're going to begin this morning. I want you to turn over your notebooks and uh, let's look at our wellspring purpose and go over our disciplines. And if my voice starts to fade and you can't hear, just kind of wave at me and I'll see if I can give it any more than I've got here. So, All right, so our purpose in meeting together is to equip and encourage one another as women of Grace Bible Church to shepherd our hearts toward Jesus Christ with the Word of God so that we live gospel-transformed lives. Thus, for the purpose of, with the result of, strengthening the church in its gospel purpose. Are you remembering that connection between shepherding your heart by using God's word, remembering it throughout your day, using his word to speak his truth to yourself as you go about your day, and living gospel-transformed lives, and how that affects the church. When we choose other things over shepherding, guarding, caring, watching over our hearts, it doesn't merely affect our own hearts. It affects others as well, as we're going to see in our lesson this morning. So let's stop and evaluate How are you doing with the disciplines in light of our purpose as you remember your role in strengthening the church? Do you need some encouragement? Do you need some spurring on? Do you need to be reminded yet once again of what your heart needs most? I know I need that reminder, and it's why we have the disciplines. Discipline 1 tells us that we're to shepherd our hearts with the word of God in order to meet with and love and worship and be in awe of and become more faithful to and grow in our trust of the God of the word. That starts where? By being in the word, right? Is that becoming a natural part of your day? Do you wake up in the morning longing to be with your Savior? Do you look forward to that time with him whenever it fits into your day? If not, are you disciplining yourself to get into the word, knowing the treasure that you'll find there? If you, I don't know if this group has little ones um, or if there are other circumstances in your life that make it difficult to find an extended amount of time to spend with the Lord. Are you looking for ways to be in the word? Even if that means choosing a couple of minutes here and there at a time because you see your need to draw on God for your strength and for your help. Are you remembering that we live in a mixed condition, that we are easily drawn away from our shepherd? And because our hearts and our minds need to be trained to think rightly when we are in his word, Are you shepherding your heart then? Are you shepherding your heart to him? It's easy sometimes to just read and to forget to do that, right? Unless we are purposeful to do so. And then what about the rest of your day? Are you dwelling on, are you meditating on what you've read? Are you caring for your heart with the treasure that you found by being with your Lord? Are you finding that that the time that you spent with him is causing you to better see your sin? And when you do, are you quick to confess 
and repent and remember the sacrifice that Christ paid for that sin? Is it causing you to grow in your in appreciation of the grace that he gives? Ladies, if we are not doing this, we will be women who don't have much to offer to others. How can we possibly strengthen the church if we're not drawing from him? We can't. And so we must be in his word, whatever that looks like in your season of life. And we must be purposeful in caring for our hearts with the wonderful truths that we find there. And then discipline too shows us that the next place that, that needs to be most impacted outside of our own hearts with the word of God and with God himself is with those with whom we live. It's, in, it's important to remember that these are the relationships that we are to care for first. That the time spent with the Lord overflows into the way that we live and care for those in our home. That because of, the t- of our time with the Lord, <clears throat> our hearts are prepared. Our thinking is in alignment with God and his word. And Christ is seen in us in such a way that it impacts those in our homes. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, Again, whatever your home looks like, whether it's your husband, your children, your roommates, your parents, your grandchildren, they ought to gain a sense that their home is a place that is centered on the gospel. Now again, we know that doesn't just happen, does it? That will only occur when we are thinking on the gospel and when we are purposeful in bringing it into our household relationships. It's a purposeful choice. And from there, discipline three flows. The woman who shepherds her heart and cares for those in her home will also have a positive impact on those in the church as well as those outside of the church. She will be impactful because she has been feasting on God's word. And therefore, she is a woman who knows her God because that's her intention to grow in her knowledge of him. She will be impactful because she brings love and grace and truth to them. It's important to be reminded of these truths and to keep them in view as we look at our lesson this morning. So last time Anne came and helped us to grow in our understanding and practice of shepherding our heart throughout the day because we saw that we, that, uh, When we have wrong thinking in regards to our desires, we can easily fall into sinful attitudes and actions like pride and bitterness and anxiousness. That if we don't fill our minds with God's truth, we can become deceived into believing that we deserve something, which can then lead down that spiral. Remember that chart that she gave to us? To making demands even of God. And that's exactly what we're going to see in our lesson this morning. So would you turn with me to Luke chapter 10, and we're going to look at verses 38 through 42. So let's observe um, the life of these two women that we're going to look at this morning and learn more of the importance of shepherding our own hearts 
And the danger that we find, is what I don't want you to miss, the danger we find um, that, that we face if we neglect to do so. So let's start in verse 38. <clears throat> now as they were traveling along, he entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary, who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his words. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations, and she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. So as we look into the lives of these women and consider Jesus' words to them, we will find that his words have much to say to us about our own hearts and what it means to be a godly servant and what will distract us from God-honoring service. So I want to begin by first looking at what this passage is not about. And the reason I want to do that is because I think it will help us clarify Jesus' intent in the passage and not minimize what it has to reveal to us about our own hearts. So first of all, this passage is not about differing personalities or gifting. These are in on your outline. The fact that Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet, listening to his words, does not mean that she was unwilling to serve. The point of this passage is not to help us learn how to be balanced between Mary type between Martha type ministry and Mary type solitude. And it is not it is not that we should be unconcerned with serving. Rather in this passage Jesus focuses on the choices we make. So in verse 42 Jesus said that that Mary had chosen the good part. And the implication there is that Martha had not. So let's look at these women. Mary and Martha are two sisters. Martha is the older and Mary the younger. And kind of keep that in mind. I think sometimes um, those that have that older role, you might see a little bit of that coming out. They have a brother, Lazarus, who will soon die and then will be brought back to life by Jesus. In fact, many commentators believe that Jesus, in his interaction with these sisters here in Luke 10, is actually preparing them for that trial that they will soon face. So they live in Bethany, which was only about two miles from Jerusalem. So in that culture anyway, it should be for us, but in that culture, that was an easy walking distance. Both Luke and John recorded that Jesus enjoyed hospitality in the home of this family on at least three occasions. John made a point to record that Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. I think it's interesting that he put it in that order. So it seems likely that Martha and Mary were two of the many people who heard Jesus teaching early on in his ministry, that they extended hospitality to him, and that they built a relationship with him in that way. So it's clear from Luke's description that Jesus made himself at home, in their home. Now I know for many of us, this is a very familiar narrative. 
Now, I don't know about you, but I know for me, when I'm looking at a very familiar passage, I need to be careful that I don't read it with an attitude of, well, I know what this is about. But rather, I need to be reminded that this is God's powerful word, and therefore I must pay close attention so that I don't allow the familiarity of it to cause me to miss what I need to hear. And so this morning I pray that we will look carefully at Jesus' words as he speaks to these women. Because it is his word that will strengthen us in our service and will reveal to us the things that will distract us from a service that brings honor to him. This passage will also help us gain a better understanding of discipline number one and its interconnectedness with disciplines two and three. Why we must never neglect in bringing our hearts to the word of God and remember his truths throughout our day. We can't ever forget that. So let's look at verse 38. In this verse, we see a heart to serve. And you'll see that on your outline. It says, now as they were traveling along, he, obviously Jesus, entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Now, we certainly get the impression from this entire narrative that Jesus knew this family in Bethany well. So Jesus met Martha somewhere in the village. Most likely it was in the marketplace um, as she was gathering her things for the day. And we are introduced to Martha with these words. Martha welcomed him into her home. And the idea is that she immediately welcomed him when she saw him. These words imply a great deal. There is a sense of eagerness in Martha's desire to have Jesus in her home. Do you see Martha's good intentions? She had a good desire. She wanted to serve Jesus by preparing a meal for him and providing a place for him to stay. The idea of being welcomed means that she received Jesus into her home for the purpose of showing hospitality and kindness to him. This word communicates that she wanted to shower him with kindness as she met his needs. It is evident that Martha loved Jesus. And yet, there's a great warning here. We can have the best of intentions to serve and extend kindness to those in our homes, to those who we invite in, but good intentions do not guarantee a good outcome. We must not be deceived into thinking that good intentions are good enough because we all have the potential to undo our good intentions if we are not careful to watch over our hearts as we serve others. We must guard against that undoing by choosing the one thing that Jesus said is necessary. So now let's take a look at Mary and learn more about her choice. So we see in Mary a heart engaged, and that's number two on your outline. Verse 39 says, She, Martha, had a sister called Mary, who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. 
Did you catch the simplicity of what we're told about Mary? It simply says Martha had a sister called Mary. That's all the information that's needed for the setting of this verse. Because all of the weight is on the action that follows. Who is seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. This sister sat at Jesus' feet. Mary desired to be with Jesus. She was taking full advantage of, her, of the opportunity she had to listen to his words. Now, as women, Mary had every cultural reason not to be seated at Jesus' feet listening to him. She had every reason to be with Martha instead. See, a woman serving a rabbi in that day was her common role. But here, Mary is assuming and preferring the role of a pupil, a student under a rabbi. That was unusual, and it helps us understand her strong desire to be with Jesus. Now notice that this action on, on the part of Mary is the only action that we read about her in the passage. And yet it's the main point of the passage. Mary understood the priority and the privilege of being with Jesus. When she saw that Jesus was about to speak, Mary turned from everything else to sit and to be absorbed into what he had to say. This was a woman who was shepherding her heart toward Jesus Christ in order to take in his words because they revealed more of him to her. That takes purposeful choice. She chooses to be free from distractions, even the good distractions, in order to choose the best. Mary understood that nearness to Jesus was her good, and she was very intentional in, that, in her choice. And we must learn to be intentional in choosing to be near to Jesus as we take in his word and as we allow it to affect our hearts. This will happen when we, like Mary, understand the treasure that we find in knowing him. So now let's compare this with Martha. We see in verse 40 a heart distracted. That's number three on your outline. So the verse begins with, but Martha. Now whenever we see the word but, we know that there's a contrast coming, right? We just read of Mary seated at the feet of Jesus, and it says, but Martha was distracted. That's quite a contrast, isn't it? See, to be distracted actually means to be drawn away. Martha had become so overoccupied and so busy with her preparations to serve Jesus that she allowed them to actually draw her away from Jesus. And the word distracted here is passive. It's a passive verb, meaning that she didn't fight against it. Martha did not bring herself to sit at the feet of Jesus because she allowed herself to be distracted by preparing a meal for him. Instead of keeping the focus that she seemed to have in verse 38, when she welcomed Jesus into her home to show kindness and lovingly serve him, 
she so quickly allowed herself to be pulled away from Jesus. In addition, Jesus described Martha in verse 41 as being worried and bothered. Now, to be worried means to be anxious or fretful um, or to be troubled about something, to be overwrought, on edge. And the Greek word for bothered is turbazo. It's the same word from which we get our English word turbulent. That gives us a pretty good word picture of what's going on in Martha's heart, doesn't it? Martha is troubled and all stirred up, and she's visibly showing agitation. She's, the fact that she was worried shows us that there was an inward fretting, while bothered shows us that there was an outward agitation, which led to her excessive activity. And what is it that had Martha so distracted and worried and bothered? Let's look again at verse 40. It says, but Martha was distracted by all her preparations. Now it's so important as we look at this verse that we understand that it wasn't wrong for Martha to serve Jesus. It began out of her love for him. It's not wrong for us to serve those in our household and those in our body, our neighbors. Serving and working hard in service is good. In the early church, women were known for their service. Paul in Romans 16, 1 and 2 commends Phoebe, who was a servant and a helper in the church and to Paul personally. In Romans 16, 3, Paul refers to Priscilla as his fellow worker in Christ Jesus. Acts 16, 14 and 15 tells us that Lydia opened up her home and extended hospitality to Paul and to the church. In Luke 4, 39, we find that immediately after Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law, she got up and she waited on them. She served them. See, these women are not in any way rebuked for their service. So our passage is certainly not telling us that we should neglect extending kindness. In fact, look up just a few verses to verse 33, just before this passage. What do you see? It's the parable of the Good Samaritan, where Jesus had just taught that we need to love others, what? By our actions, by serving our neighbor. Serving reflects the image of God. We were created to bear that image of Jesus as one who serves. The hard work was not Martha's problem, and it's not our problem. That's not what spoils our service. What spoiled Martha's service was a heart that was not anchored, and steadied, and fixed, and riveted on Jesus and his words. Martha neglected to see that Jesus' words would have benefited her serving. Instead, we see in Martha a heart that was distracted and swept away from Jesus by much preparation. Look again at verse 40. It says, But Martha was distracted by all her preparation. 
Literally, she was distracted by much service. Jesus said to her in verse 41, you are worried and bothered about so many things, meaning more than what was necessary. Martha had put an exaggerated value on excessive service, and she was distracted by all that she thought she needed to do to serve. And we all know that we can miss the heart of serving our families and others by being lazy. But we can also miss the heart of serving by being distracted and thinking that we must do too much, by doing things that are unnecessary. When our hearts are swept away by preparations and they are not anchored to Jesus, that's when we lose our focus. That's when we know that it is too much. It is excessive. And that's what happened to Martha. She was distracted by her excessive service, and in doing so, she totally missed what was necessary. She missed the good part. She missed the opportunity to learn from the one she was trying to serve. And we, like Martha, may become distracted, worried, and bothered by an inaccurate view of what we think we need to do in serving others. That's not all that we can get carried away with, is it? Let's stop for a second and ask ourselves, what other things can tempt us to sinful distraction and worry? Is it when we're trying to please man rather than God? That certainly is a temptation for me being concerned with what other people think about my service. Proverbs 29, 25 calls that the fear of man. And it says that the fear of man is a snare. It easily ensnares us into the same kind of turmoil that we see in Martha. We can also become prone to distraction when we are selfish, when we want things done our way and in our timing. And we want everyone else to be as committed to serving our agenda as we are. <coughs> well, other people can relate to that, huh? Mm-hmm. It was hard to write because that was just a mirror right into it. We also are susceptible to becoming excessively concerned with what others are doing or not doing, maybe to the point of judging them or being embittered toward them when we are not fixing our eyes on the Savior and the privilege of knowing and serving Him. We must guard against becoming more concerned with what we get done than with how we get it done. And we must guard against the temptation to use intimidation or manipulation or nagging Because getting something done is more important to us than being like Christ in that moment. Ladies, if we desire to grow in grace, to grow in holiness of life, we must be on our guard so that we are not carried away by the things that take our focus off of Jesus. When we don't guard our hearts, but rather allow ourselves to become distracted and swept away from Jesus, that is when we miss out on what Jesus calls the good part. 
when we do, rather than displaying our love for Jesus, our service becomes a display of misplaced priorities. It becomes a burden. So working hard is not wrong. Having a heart swept away from the one we are ultimately serving, that is terribly wrong. So let's think, whose choice was this, this distracted and worried and bothered heart? See, there is no one Martha can blame but herself. By not fighting against it, she chose to be distracted. Ladies, we have that same choice. We must realize that when we hold weakly to Christ, it's because we choose it to be this way. Martha chose to have a distracted, worried, and bothered heart. And it didn't stay confined within Martha. Her sinful distraction bore bitter fruit. And if our heart is in the wrong place, it will soon produce bitter fruit as well. So let's look further at verse 40. It says, But Martha was distracted with all of her preparations, and she came up to him. And remember what Jesus is doing here. Remember? He's teaching, right? And Martha came up to him. Now, in all fairness to Martha, I will just, let me just say, perhaps, it doesn't say, but perhaps she tried to get Mary's attention some other way, but failed. We don't know. But what we do know is that Martha's busy preparations at this point stopped, and she interrupted Jesus' teaching to plead her case. Martha obviously thought that she was the one who had made the right choice. And it seems that Martha assumed that Jesus would have the same evaluation of the situation that she did once she was just able to have the opportunity to be able to point it out to him. I wonder if it ever occurred to Martha that she could be the one that was wrong. It really does, right? When we're right in the middle of it, it really occurs to us. And so thinking that she was justified, Martha interrupted Jesus' teaching. And what was on Martha's mind? Let's finish reading the verse. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations, and she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. Martha is looking for someone to blame. That's the bitter fruit that we see. First, she finds fault with Jesus. Listen again to her words. Lord, do you not care? She accused Jesus of being insensitive. Now, think about that. Do you know where Jesus is at this point in his ministry? He's on his way to Jerusalem. In about four months, he would be hanging on a cross. And Martha, in her self-centeredness, asks him, Do you not care? She blamed him for not caring enough about her to send Mary back to help her 
in her excessive preparation, but rather allowed Mary to sit at his feet and learn from him. Do you see the danger in an unshepherded heart? And Martha didn't stop with blaming Jesus. She also reproached Mary for abandoning her when she said, my sister has left me to do all the serving alone. See, it's evident, evident by her actions that Martha's heart was not set on being near to Jesus, all because she was distracted by her preparations. She was not in a place where she could even begin to evaluate her own heart. She was completely blind to her own sin. All she could see was what she thought was wrong with all of those around her. I don't know about you, but this hits a little too close to home. See what we're all so capable of? Martha's words and actions show us how subtly and sinfully pride can corrupt even the best of our intentions. Now maybe for you it's easy to read this and think, I can't believe that Martha's pride would lead her to think so highly of her own agenda. But the truth is, I do this. We do this. Do you see the sin we so easily fall into when we neglect to shepherd our hearts to Jesus continually? We can easily allow ourselves to become distracted, stirred up in our minds, and carried away in our emotions by our excessive expectation of what we think needs to get done and what we expect others to do to help us get it done. And when we do, we sin right in the middle of our service. It's far too easy to fall into the temptation to look outside of ourselves, to look for excuses and even assume that we know others' motives and make accusations against them, and even toward God. So we see that same accusation in Mark 4. In verse 35 and 36, tells us that it was evening and it was getting dark and Jesus had just gotten into the boat with his disciples. And it says, And there arose a fierce gale of wind and the waves were breaking over the boat so much that the boat was already filling up. Jesus himself was in the stern asleep on the cushion and they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he got up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Hush, be still. And the wind died down and it became perfectly calm. Jesus said to them, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Did you hear their accusation? Teacher, don't you care? how quickly we can draw wrong conclusions about God based on our own circumstances, can't we? This accusation revealed the disciples' heart just as it revealed Martha's heart, and often it reveals our hearts. There's a great warning for us here. Our hearts can, become, can easily become so self-centered so focused on ourselves at the very moment that we need to be focusing on 
and trusting in Jesus. It shows us how critical it is for us to be soaking in his word so that we don't forget about him throughout our day, so that, so that our thoughts, our responses, our hearts reflect what is true about him. Look again at verse 40. When Martha said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? It shows us her greatest concern in that moment. She was concerned with one thing, she would, that she was left alone in her excessive service. From Martha's perspective, Mary had deserted her. But who was Mary's master? It wasn't Martha. And there's something else that, that uh, Martha's words reveal. When she said to Jesus, do you not care that my sister has left me? She's indicating that Mary had been serving with her. But Mary, unlike Martha, knew what part of serving was necessary and then was willing to stop in order to be with Jesus. She understood the right priority. She had prepared what was necessary, but then left her service in order to hear Jesus' teaching. But meanwhile, Martha felt entitled to Mary's help. Does that make you think of Anne's teaching last time? Martha couldn't see that Mary left for a good reason, the right reason. And we see that in her words to Jesus when she said, then tell her to help me. She told Jesus what to do. My computer just froze up. We have so much to write. We're just okay. You, you <laughs> so at this point, Martha had become convinced that Mary should serve her rather than Jesus. Her desire became a demand. Hmm. You see the pride in that? Martha <coughs> thought she knew what was best for everyone. And just like Martha, our sinful pride can make us susceptible to judgment and to all kinds of evil. Anger, resentment, jealousy, a critical spirit, and unkindness. How easy it is for us to get caught up in our own whirlwind of things to do that we forget who we are, his servants. And we can forget how needy we are of him. And when we do, we lose sight of the fact that it is his strength and his words which help us persevere in our service. That he is the one who gives us the wisdom to know what is truly important. Being with Jesus shapes our heart attitude so that we are willing to acknowledge and repent of our pride and put aside those things that are not necessary so that our serving will bring honor to him. Let's look at one last bitter fruit that we see in Martha's sinfully distracted heart. We see it in Jesus' words in verses 42. I would um, begin by going up to verse 41 again. But the Lord answered and said to her, 
Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary, for Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. His words tell us what Mary had chosen had eternal value. But they also revealed something very disturbing that was going on inside of Martha. They revealed Martha's bitterness over Mary's choice. Martha was deceived into thinking that her distracted service was most important. And she began to despise her sister's wholehearted eagerness to receive instruction from Jesus because it left her alone in her distracted service. And just like Martha, our service can never be pleasing to the Lord when it comes from a heart that is self-centered. See, Jesus knew that Martha's heart was not right. But there's no doubt that Martha loved Jesus, but she was completely blind to her own sin. <clears throat> her misguided idea of what it meant to serve him had to be exposed so that she could repent of it. And Jesus was faithful to do that. Okay, let's look at what Jesus said to Martha to expose her sinful heart and to, and to expose her mistaken idea of what it meant to serve him. So we'll see in verses 41 and 42, a heart set right. And that's number four on your outline. But the Lord said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary, for Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. So the searcher of hearts knew Martha's heart. <clears throat> it's obvious by her words and actions that she is outwardly upset by this point. Jesus also knew what was going on inside of Martha. And so, like a tender parent, Jesus exposed Martha's sin and gave her the gentle rebuke that she needed. Martha, Martha. The repetition of Martha's name by Jesus shows us her love, his love for her. It's intended to bring her back gently. There's a sense of tender affection and grace in Jesus' concern for Martha. She needed to be lovingly and yet firmly rebuked because she had failed to choose what was necessary. Proverbs 27.6 tells us, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Jesus' words are like the balm that Martha needed. She needed to see that her heart was distracted and worried and bothered. She needed to see that she was unwilling to look within her own heart and see her sin. That in only looking outside of herself, she had been making an inaccurate diagnosis of what she sensed was wrong with everyone around her. Whenever we criticize others and pity ourselves because we feel burdened by our service, we must stop and examine our own heart. Perhaps in all of our busyness, we've been ignoring the Lord. Again, Martha's problem was not that she had too much work to do, 
Rather, her problem was that she had allowed her work to distract her and pull her away from Jesus. If serving Christ makes us difficult to live with, there's something terribly wrong with our service. There's something terribly wrong with our hearts. Jesus knew that Martha needed to understand that her motive in serving was no longer pure. Who had become the focal point of Martha's service by this point? Yeah, she had. Therefore, Jesus was not honored in Martha's service, and he had no intention of defending it. Jesus knew what Martha needed. He knew that there was only one thing needed. One thing was what Mary had chosen, to sit at the feet of Jesus and learn from him. And we must choose that same thing needed. To feast on his word and not allow our hearts to wander from him. Now, did Martha heed Jesus' loving yet firm rebuke? We don't know exactly, but in your homework, you looked up um, John 12. And you might have noticed in this passage that just six days before Jesus went to the cross, we find him in Bethany. Once again, eating supper, and it says Martha was serving. Did you notice what it doesn't say? There's no rebuke. There's no account of her interrupting, just serving. And so I think we have at least reason to, um, to hope that uh, Martha's heart attitude had changed. And that gives us hope, doesn't it? It reminds us of our faithful shepherd. At any time, we can stop when we find ourselves getting all worked up, all worried and bothered, and we can run to him. And then in verse 42, we see a heart that feasts, and that's number five in your outline. <clears throat> the rest of, Je of uh, Jesus' response commends Mary's choice when he said, but only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Mary had chosen the one thing that truly mattered. Instead of her choosing to become distracted and allowing her heart to become divided, Mary chose the one thing that ended all distractions and division hearts. She had chosen the good part. She chose to be near Jesus to take in his words. And we too must discipline ourselves to that. It's a choice that we make. Mary was in, intentional in what she chose. And if we are to choose what Jesus said is the good part, we have to plan for it. It is a commitment of time and effort. If we are to have the one thing that is necessary, then we may have to reevaluate our schedules and our priorities and make whatever changes are necessary so that we have room to make this one choice. Have you ever noticed that we don't have to plan for our hearts to drift? It just happens that we do nothing, right? But we do have to plan to meet with Jesus in his word. We don't have to plan for self-importance that would keep us away from his word. But we do have to plan 
for Jesus' importance to increase in our lives. In the midst of Mary's service, she chose something that led her from her service in order to improve her service. Certainly her time at Jesus' feet, taking in his, his word, would have changed how she would have stepped back into her preparations alongside her sister Martha. How her service would have been better. How Martha would have been ministered to by a woman whose heart had been near to Jesus. The whole atmosphere of service had the potential of being infused with the aroma of Christ. You see the important lesson in this for us? As his servants, we must be very wise in the use of our time in order to get our hearts ready to serve others. And how do we do that? By taking in his word, by being near to our Savior, so that we can enter back into service with a heart that is refreshed and prepared to serve, relying on God's grace, not on our own strength, but on his grace with the services honoring to him. What we do with our hearts every morning, or whenever you choose to spend time with God in his word, and throughout the day, coming before him with a humble and submissive heart, will make more of an impact in our service, in our homes, in our small groups, our Sunday service, in our school, in our jobs, whatever your life looks like. But that choice will make more of a difference than anything else that we might do. And this is a choice that we must continually make. We all can be distracted by many things. Excessive service can be a temptation in any area of our lives. Extending care to those in our home is right. But allowing that care to distract us from spending time with God and his word is not choosing what Jesus called the one thing necessary. In a sermon Spurgeon gave on this passage, he said, You are not losing time while you are feeding the soul. Martha became interested in accomplishing while Mary's, Mary stayed focused on a person. She was consumed with Christ. She chose to feast on his words. Mary saw Jesus for who he was. Therefore, she disciplined herself to make the choice to be near her portion. Listen to some verses <clears throat> that describe God as our portion. Here's a hope that the psalmist finds in knowing God in this way. Psalm 72, 26, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion, how long? Forever. Psalm 142, 5, I cried out to you, O Lord, I said, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Psalm 119:57, the Lord is my portion. I have promised to keep your words. I sought your favor with all my heart. To be close to God and to have him as one's portion is to have a heart that is teachable and eager to learn. This is the single-mindedness that we see in Mary. 
we sense her wholehearted love for her Savior, that nothing would tear her away from him. Mary chose what would benefit her heart and would ultimately benefit those around her. When we, like Mary, choose this treasure, we will never be disappointed. That is a treasure that will never be taken away from us. And how do we know that? We have the privilege of being able to look back on the cross and all that Jesus accomplished there. And we need to remember that, especially in the light of this passage, listen to all that we've been warned against. We've been warned that good intentions don't guarantee a good outcome. We've seen that we can easily allow our hearts to become distracted and anxious and bothered when we are not attentive to constantly shepherd them back to Jesus. We saw that we can easily misjudge what is actually necessary in our service. And that when we do, we can quickly allow that to lead us down a path, a spiral of sinful distraction, so that we miss the one we are ultimately serving. And we saw that we can also allow other things to distract us from a heart fixed on Jesus. Fear of man, or selfishness, or other misplaced priorities. We were warned that if we find our hearts carried away like Martha's was, that it is because we chose to hold weakly to Christ. And we saw that a sinfully distracted heart bears bitter fruit, blaming, self-centeredness, an attitude of entitlement, pride, judgment, and bitterness, and all the while being blind to the very dangerous place to which our hearts have wandered. We can so easily sin against those that are closest to us, right? Right in the middle of serving them. And so we need to heed these warnings. We need to repent where God has exposed sin. And we need to remember in the midst of conviction that we can find encouragement. There is always hope. See, Jesus knew that we would be women just like Martha, who needed to be forgiven and cleansed and made new in him. And so he died and he rose again for us. And we need to remember that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We see that in how gently Jesus restored Martha. Jesus told Martha that she was worried and bothered about so many things. And you and I get worried and bothered about so many things. And so we can rejoice that Christ died for our sinfully worried and bothered hearts. And remember that if we are in Christ, we are no longer slaves to sinful worry and distraction or any of its bitter fruit, but that we now have the ability to say no to sin. That's what we need to remember in the midst of this. We can stop at any point and say no to sin. God has given us that power because we are slaves to Christ. 
we can diligently pursue holiness. And so even when we find that we have become distracted, we can always flee right back to our master. And we can cry out and confess our need for him. And he will be faithful to reorder our priorities and our hearts. I want to end with this quote from Ryle's commentary on Luke. He wrote, Mary chose what was for the benefit of her soul. She was seeking more grace. She was striving after closer communion with God and his Christ. This was the portion which she preferred to everything else and to which she was willing for a time to postpone all earthly care. Those who seek such a portion will never be disappointed. Their treasure will never be taken away from them. Pray with me. Father, we are so thankful for your word. Father, thank you for the warnings that you give to us to keep our hearts near to you. We know that we can easily allow our hearts to become distracted and anxious and bothered when we are not attentive to care, to shepherd, constantly shepherd our hearts back to Jesus. Father, we know that we are so easily led down a path of sinful distraction as we serve others. And when we do, we miss you. We miss the very one that we ultimately desire to serve. And so, Father, we plead with you to help us, particularly as we enter into this busy season of the year. Father, we ask for your help to remember how much we need you, need your wisdom. Father, I pray that we will be consistent in our seeking you and your word, and our time with you will impact the way that we serve others. For your glory, Father, that's our desire. We want to remember that we are your servants, that we are serving you. And so, Father, we pray for your help, for your wisdom. And, Father, when we do find that our hearts are distracted, I pray that we would remember that we can always run to you. Thank you that you so faithfully reveal our sin to us and that you are so faithful that when we confess, that you will forgive us and you will help us to serve with the right kind of attitude, one that will bring you honor and glory. So, Father, I thank you. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for this reminder from your word. We love you and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.